God has said, you are free and you are to share the gospel with everyone. Then do we have the courage to suffer the consequences. 90% born in the church, raised in the church, saved in the church, married and buried in the church will never share Jesus with another person. I went looking for tools from God. And what I found was the resurrected Christ himself. Well, good morning. It is good to see you. My name is Rick. I'm one of the ministers here on staff. And I want to add my thank you to those of you who are veterans who are among us. And thank you for giving your service, giving your life to the mission of keeping our country safe, protecting our values and what it is that we hold true and dear. And thank you just as much for running after the kingdom of God and working and serving in this place and giving your life to the furtherance of the gospel here in Pensacola. And I'm going to tell you, we have a lot of military people who are still active and come in. They know I'm going to be here for about a, you know 12 months or 18 months or whatever. So they come in, they get started quickly and, and, they, and they help us and they lead and they serve. I'm just, so those of you who are still active, and, and yet are working and serving. It, they're holding babies. They're jumping up and down with kids in the back. They're serving coffee down in our coffee house. And they're working on our boards and lighting and, and music. And thank you, thank you, thank you for selling out to the kingdom of God as much as you do for keeping us safe in our country. And so for those of you who are veterans, man, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for everything that you do. Now, uh, we're starting today. In fact, I think today is an ideal, a perfect a day to start this new series on the insanity of obedience. It's like the, the one statistic, the one thing that grabbed me in that, in that video was when he said over 90% of all people in America who become a Christian, live a Christian, die a Christian, they get married and buried, he said, as a Christian, never lead one person to the Lord. I want you to hear that, over 90%. Never share their faith with someone and lead them to the Lord. And so my father sent me the audio book, this series. So my dad's like, hey, Rick, man, we've got to be obedient to the call of God. I'm sending you this series. I've been listening to it in my truck. And I'm a visual learner, so I can listen to it while I'm riding, you know, on the road. But I can't retain it. I can't keep So I had to order the book. So uh, I ordered the book and I bought it So because I can remember... You know, if I outline and I circle and I put stuff down, I can remember if I can see it. And, and I didn't want to forget it. And so I got the book. Now, for those of you who are new, maybe this is your first week. I talked about my dad quite a bit uh, because he had cancer years and years ago. This is probably 2013, 2012. My father uh, got cancer, started in the colon. He went in, they had surgery. It penetrated out of the colon into the pancreas and into his other vital organs. It spread pretty quickly and pretty quickly it went to stage four. And out of that, he started having surgery after surgery after surgery as much as he could, just trying to chase it and get rid of it. And it's in his liver and it's in his lungs and it's in his abdomen. It's all over the place, actually. And they finally got to a place where he had had so much chemo. They said, John, you can't have any more chemo. You can't have any more surgeries. We can't, your body can't handle any more. And so uh, 
you know, they said, you, you know, right now it's just relying on God. Now, for at first, when it first happened, you know how you can go and do a surgery and you can do some chemo and you come back and they say, man, you're cancer free. And, and, uh, and everybody celebrates, hey, God healed me. But Matt Heron, an anesthesiologist and a member of our church, he, he called me and we met and he started cautioning me. And he said, Rick, I want to caution you. You know, I know your dad is celebrating right now that he's cancer-free, and this was early on before 2015. And he said, but I want to caution you because this kind of cancer, it may go away for a little while, but, but it comes back with a vengeance. And typically, people don't have a five-year, you know, the, the window, the survival rate's five years. And it had already been like three years. And so he said, I just want to caution you that it, it, it will come back, and when it does... And so he has walked with me through how to just only take the step we're on and, and the next step. Not try to fast forward too much because it's overwhelming. And those of you who have dealt with this either before with other relatives or even in your own life, you know it is exactly what I'm, our family's going through and what we're talking about. You know, but then, and three months later, after all of that, dad has a scan every three months. He went back and had another scan and all of the cancer was back, and it was in all of the same places. And so September 2015, uh, the doctor said, John, you need to put your affairs in order. You will not be alive by the end of the year. So when I got that news that day, it was overwhelming to me. And even though my father was being strong, and he made statements like, I've spent my whole life preparing for the day when I would hear those words. You know, and I had not spent my whole life preparing for the day when my father or I would hear those words. And so I threw myself into a project and I went and got some wood and I ended up building a table. I, it's now in my office. It's my, it's my father's table. <clears throat> you know, so uh, I just sit at it every day and uh, just to remember, you know what I mean? And, and I say I built it. I really didn't build it. Jackie Hudson really built it. And he just let me hold a hammer in the process. So I, <laughs> I felt like I was doing, I was tinkering while he built my conference table in my office. That was in 2015. And then coming out of that, in 2016, he had another scan, the exact same thing. But God didn't end his life. And so 2017, we heard the exact same words. 2018, we heard the exact same words. And apparently dad said, look, if I'm not going to die with cancer, I'm going to live with it. And I'm going to lead as many people to heaven as I can. Now, he's done that all his life. You need to know, my father was a preacher for years and years. My grandfather, it really started with my grandfather, who was a preacher for 50 years. And my grandfather, all he wanted to do was lead people to the Lord. And no one knew it because he didn't tell anybody. But my grandfather kept a record every time. And he had in it that God would bless him to lead somebody into the kingdom of heaven. And he wrote their name down and the date when they gave their life to God and when they were baptized. And so he wrote it down. And I found his book going through his library. This was in the 1980s. I worked with my grandfather for three years. And I found his little book. And he didn't even tell. I said, Papa, what's this? He's like, God, he didn't want to talk about it. Page after page after page of people, over a thousand, that God had allowed him to lead to the Lord. That he watched, converted, baptized, watched them give their life to God. Man, was that convicting to me. 
My grandfather, the exact same thing. My father, I mean, the exact same thing. And so my dad's like, I'm just throwing myself into the kingdom of God. And so he goes out and he meets a man. And he, he, the, the guy's a physician with Vanderbilt, but he's from China. Dad invited he and his wife over to the house. They you know, drank coffee. They had meals together. They started sharing the Lord together. Two led to 12. Next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of them in his house. And all Dad's doing is having these Bible studies with them. And so two or three or four of them became Christians. And then they have to go back over to China. They're still having the Bible studies to this day in their house. And several of them there. And they're, they're really wrestling with it. But dad gets a phone call and he's like, John, would you come see me? I don't have anyone else who lives here who is a Christian, who have given their life to God. Would you come see me? Dad said, you bet I will. His doctor said, oh, no, you're not. And dad said, listen, you don't understand. I'm not trying to keep from dying. I am living for the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter what is going to happen to me. I'm going. So the doctor has him on this medication and all this kind of stuff. Does like, I'm not taking it because it makes me sick. And when I'm sick, I can't share the gospel. So I'm not taking it and I'm going. So they went. I get this email from my father after coming back. The highlight of our trip was the quality of time that we were able to spend with our Chinese friends and meeting others who were interested in what we had to share about our creator and his son. Dr. Yi Ping Bayou and his wife, Wen, and their son, Carrie, were vital focus of our trip. Dr. Bayou is an anesthesiologist and he's kept busy with his practice. The day before our arrival, he was in surgery for 13 hours with the heart transplant procedure. In spite of that, he found time to spend four nights and part of five days with us. We spent a great deal of our time building on what we had learned when he was in Nashville and showing him how to lead a Bible study and start a group in his own home. We encouraged him to lean heavily on God through prayer. Dr. Young Su, an MD, PhD, is a member of the Communist Party and he teaches at the university. He picked us us up at the airport in Beijing on Monday night and stayed with us for a whole week. He is not yet a Christian. However, he believes in God and Jesus. He teaches the theory of evolution and is really wrestling with what he has been taught all his life. Please call his name in prayer when talking to God and ask the Father to draw him and to help him see the vast differences between creation and evolution. Ask God to give him dreams and visions that will help him make Jesus Lord of his life. Carolyn, who is my mom, and Jen Brown and Chelsea Lanier, who is my niece, Traveled by a fast train to Nanjing to spend the night in the home of one of the Chinese ladies they had studied with on Wednesday nights. She is now a professor at the university in Nanjing. She believes in God and Jesus, but is very frightened to complete her obedience to the Father. She, too, is a communist and has just experienced a fellow teacher being dismissed from the university after they found out she was a believer in God. She has worked so many years to further her career, and her fears are great. We are grateful for the time that we were able to encourage her faith, knowing that heaven surely is worth it all. Meanwhile, Carolyn met a Chinese businessman on that fast train and returning from Chengdu, who claimed no religion at all, but he's very interested in history. Thus, a conversation readily opened about the opportunity to share the greatest history book ever written, the Bible. 
She gave him a Bible, and now they're using WeChat to continue their study. Another young Chinese university student traveling back to the U.S. from their host family was wearing a casting crowns cap. When asked if she was a Christian, she said no, but her host family in the States were Christians. While going over with her creation, she grew up an evolutionist. She became excited and started asking questions. Another Chinese businessman sitting behind us answered one of the questions. He is a graduate from Princeton University, a chemical engineer, and a professor at the University of Kansas. He offered us his business card and said he would gladly answer questions for anyone there studying and willing to be open. We now will share the icing on the cake. While coming back to Nashville, we met a man who's just transferred back to Clarksville Army Base. He's married, has two children, tried to live a good life, be kind to others, and work hard. But he hasn't worshipped God in a while. He took our information, the address to our church building, and he plans on coming and visiting soon. He is still unloading boxes. Please pray for George. His wife will not be joining him here. So we plan on being his family as long as possible. Jesus wrote to the church in Smyrna. Remain faithful even when facing death. And I will give you a crown of life. Revelation 2.10. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. What about me, God? Have I been faithful? Well, it matters very little what you or anyone else thinks. Don't even trust my own judgment at this point. My conscience is clear, but that isn't what matters. It is the Lord. And it's He Himself who will examine me and decide if I have been obedient. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I love you. When I wrote my father back, through my tears, all I could get out were two sentences. Thank you for showing me how to live. And thank you for showing me what's important in life. I love you. About three months ago, maybe three and a half months ago, after church, and uh, we did growth track, and we had some stuff going on, and so I hung around and doing stuff. Anyway, I was on my way to the hospital, and, and uh, I decided to, uh, I'm embarrassed to tell you, go to Popeye's Chicken and eat some chicken. <laughs> and, uh, but I did. And so I'm over there, and I'm eating, having fun, just hanging out, just eating my own chicken. And, uh, and, and a guy walks in, and then another, and there was a group of about 20 and they all walked in, and they're being so respectful and they're standing. And I could tell, Ben, they all just came from some church. I wonder what church that is. Anyway, they're all just standing there. And, and this one guy comes, and he's a younger guy. He comes, and he sits uh, right next to me. There's a, a, a round table where you can sit over in Popeye's if you ever visit there. And so I'm sitting on one side, and he's just, and I'm like, hey, man, what church do y'all go to? And he tells me the name of the church. And I said, wow, what's going on? And he said, well, every Sunday we all hang out together. I said, man, that's really cool. What do you do? And he says, well, you see that man over there? His name is Pastor Simmons. 
And in our community, Pastor Simmons is teaching us how to live as men. See, most of us don't know our fathers. Most of us have no father figure. We don't know what it's like to live a godly life, how to be real men. And so we just follow him everywhere he goes. He teaches us how to be godly men. He practices what he preaches. And I said, man, you get close to him and you listen to everything he says. You follow everything he says do. That is a valuable resource. He said, well, I had no choice. He's my daddy. And I, <laughs> and I said, have you asked for a double portion of his spirit? He said, I don't know what that means. And so we talked about Elijah and Elisha, and you can go back and read that story. When Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit, and I said, man, you know, you ought, you ought to go for that. You know, just let God possess you like he's possessing your father. Fast forward to last Friday, not two days ago, but a week ago over Friday. I'm, uh, I had an appointment and went to, so anyway, cut to the church building right before noon. And as I drove up, there were a bunch of guys outside working on our lawn. Actually, they were digging up gas lines. And so I just walked over and I said, how are you guys doing? They said, fine. I said, you know, I just started getting into a conversation with them. And I said, well, what are you guys eating for lunch? And he said, I don't know. You know, we have something, you know, we'll do. And I said, listen, if you don't have any lunch, y'all don't have any lunch. And they're like, no. And I said, okay, tell you what, if it's all right with you and if it's all right with your boss, can I, can I buy you some pizza? I just buy you some pizza. Do y'all need any water, anything to drink? They're like, no, we're good. There's one guy down in a little hole. He just spoke up and he just said, are you the pastor of this church? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you got a word for me? <laughs> I know I'm supposed to. And so I, I talked to him a little bit, and I said, you got a word for me? He said, yes, sir, I do. And he climbed out of his hole, and he quoted a verse of Scripture. I quoted one right back to him. Next thing you know, we're in a conversation. The other four guys gathered around. And here we are, standing outside, digging up grass, talking about Jesus. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm buying you guys some pizza. As soon as it gets here, I'll let you know. And I got him a Coke. And as soon as he came, I brought him in. We came inside. And we prayed after the prayer, this one guy looked at me and he said, you remember me? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, I met you in Popeye's chicken several months ago. You didn't tell me you was a pastor. (laughs) No, I didn't. And we talked and had just a fantastic conversation. And I said, tell me more about who you are. Tell me more about what it means to follow, you know, who's your dad, Pastor Simmons, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so he went home and he told his dad, you got to call this man, you got to call this man. So Pastor Simmons and I have been talking. And, uh, and I was telling him what was in my heart. He was telling me what was in his heart. And he said, hey, Pastor Rick, do you think that you and I can partner together and stand on a street corner? And proclaim to this city that white and black can really come together in the name of Jesus Christ to make a difference in our city. I said, you have a double extra large shirt that I can wear? (laughs) Because they stand. Have you seen these guys? 
There's some of the nicest young men I've met. And he said, I don't want to stand out there and tell everybody they're going to hell. I just want to ask them to give Jesus a chance. He said, because what happened to me is one day I was just riding. He said, God came to me and he said, you love me? And I said, Lord, you know I do. And he said, would you stand on that street corner for me? And he said, every week. He said, so I just went and started standing on that corner. I didn't want to tell anybody anything. I just wanted to say, give Jesus a chance. And one man came and then another man. And that's how our church got started. Next thing you know, I got 30 young men, 40 young men standing out here with me all learning what it means to be faithful to God, faithful to their spouse, grow up, raise their children to honor the Lord. God has been so good to me. So yesterday I had a meeting, and uh, I said, y'all going to be out there Saturday? He said, absolutely. And uh, I said, okay, what time? He said, well, we'll get there about 7 o'clock or thereabout, and we'll stay there till noon. And I said, I've got a meeting. After my meeting, I'll come. So I told Teddy Hart, hey, Teddy, Guess what I'm going to go do? Teddy's like, I wish you would have told me. Hold on. He called Vicky. He said, Vicky, I think I'm going to be late coming home. Is that okay with you? And so Teddy Hart and I went and we stood on that street corner and we got to know some of the finest men you'll meet in this town. And only as a, as a step, as just one step to saying to a community, all we want to do is come together in the name of Jesus Christ. And do something. So when it was all over and I was leaving, I said, Pastor Simmons, thank you for letting me come stand out here with you. Is it okay if I come back again? He said, yep. And I said, so you get out here at 7? He said, well, actually, we get up at 4 in the morning. We meet at the church building before 5. And we pray for two hours that God would give us boldness and send us whoever he wants to send us. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. And whenever the Spirit says go, we come stand outside. And we stay there till noon. And I got to tell you, I was excited and embarrassed. Because I'm, I'm too comfortable with my life. And my schedule. And I had to come face to face with what it really means to be sold out to Jesus Christ and to the mission that's in front of us. Is it okay with you? Can I share this message with you today about what's going on in my heart? Even if it's a challenging, even embarrassing as a call to what God is calling us to. So, for the veterans who have given your life to our to our, our, our country. And yet you sell out to the kingdom of God as much as you do to making sure that our community is safe. This series is for you. To people like my father, who set aside your own physical health to use all of your energy to advancing the kingdom of God. This series is for you. To that group in China, who are a part of the Communist Party. And they're afraid that they're going to lose their jobs and or their life. But are still saying yes to Jesus and others still struggling with him. This series is for them. To those of you who are opening up your home to foster kids. And getting involved in helping these children who are hurting and abandoned and wounded in our community. 
all because God has put inside you this deep desire to share the love with Jesus with hurting children. This series is for you. For the teachers in our schools who are feeding the 25% of our children who go to bed hungry every night because they can't stand it unless they do something in the name of Jesus. This series is for you. For those of you who have a hunger for more of God inside you that you can't keep quiet and you're compelled to go deeper into the things of God, this series is for you. For all those who just love the kingdom of God, the church, the bride of Christ, and you want to give your best to serving him, this series is for you. This series asks the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus even in the rough spaces, the hard places? In our community. This is our series. All I'm going to have enough time to do this morning. Is really open up the bookends of this word obedience. What does it mean when the Bible says be obedient. And how does it show itself. Taryn is sitting up here. He's going to be speaking next week. And so for the next three weeks. We're just going to look into this topic. And ask God. What are you calling us to. So what do you think of when you see this word obedience. What comes into your mind? What does it mean to be obedient? What does God have in mind? I was kind of shocked to find out that there is no Hebrew word for obey. The closest we can get is this word shema. And so you can open up. So in Hebrew, it's a shema. But it's really shema. So shema, it really means just to listen. Well, it actually means to hearken, but nobody hearkens anymore today. We don't really know it <laughs> exactly. What does it mean to hearken, Lao, Woa, too? You know, how do you hearken? And so they just translated it obey. But what it's really talking about are these, are the, the, the front part and the back part of being obedient means that somebody is calling me. Somebody is asking something of me. And I do it or I don't do it. Shema says, I heard you and I responded quickly. And it's even more than that. It's this this obedient heart from the depth of who I am. All I want to do is hear your voice and respond. Now in Greek, it's a different word. And so this, uh, in in fact, in first service... I was like, I was looking over for Fred Tate. I'm like, how do you pronounce this Greek word? And Fred didn't give me any help at all. He was like, I'm staying out of it. And, uh, and so I pronounced it as best I could. And after service, we have a family who attends here who own a Greek restaurant. And he said, listen, Greek is all I speak. So let me help you out here. Epaku, epaku. And I'm like, epaku. He goes, yeah, eep, 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 like, a, like an E and a P. Eep means to come under. And I said, so, so I got the meaning right. I just didn't know how to pronounce the word. But epakul, right? I'm so excited to learn a new Greek word. Epakul, to hear the voice of God as if it were law, as if it were authority, and to come under it and, and be quick, eager to obey. It's as if, I wish I'd have done this when I was a child. I wasn't very good at this. If my mom would have said, Rick, And I would have said, coming. 
and I'd have jumped up no matter what I'm doing. And I just eagerly say, I'm, I'm coming, and I come in front of her and I stand and I say, Yes, ma'am. Ipaku. To hear the call of God. And he calls your name. And immediately you leave everything and follow him. Sound familiar? Ipaku. I can't wait to hear you speak. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm not doing it anymore. All I want to do is be obedient to you. Now, typically, when we hear this word obey, our obedient process, our process is, okay, so we hear what God says. We evaluate the command based on our understanding. And then we make a choice to obey or not. And, and so we sit, well, what is that talking about? And I'm evaluating. And do I really want to do it? Well, that's not really convenient for me. And I don't know if I want to do it. I don't understand it that way. I don't think I want to do that. And you can't make me. And okay, well, can, but can't I do this? Don't you think God will love me anyway, even if I live like this, or if I do this other thing? No. He's calling and he's asking, are you going to be obedient? And all he wants is for us to say, yes, Lord. Yes, what, what, what? And to be obedient. And so he's looking for this, this Shema Levat, this hearing heart, this And inside me, something is going on to where all I want to do is chase after God with all of my heart. And so as I wrote down in your outline, it's it's more than that. It's, It's like a listening heart, a hearing heart, committed to doing whatever God commands, whatever he asks or tells us to do. And so it's really these, you know, two things. And so I want to open it up. In fact, here's the very first place in the Bible where this word Shema with this being, obeying ever shows itself. And it's really kind of weird and different. Adam and Eve were in the garden. God had reached out to them. He had created them. The man, the woman, placed them in the garden, gave them everything they needed. And God would come in and they would just have relationship. Every day they would just talk. And, and they were just, it was the three of them. And it was beautiful, right? And so every day God would come and they would spend all the time fulfilling whatever God wanted. Named all the animals, did all that stuff. One day, the enemy comes in and Satan, as a serpent, talks them into being disobedient. And they ate the fruit that God asked them not to eat of. He said, your eyes would be open, and they were. And then God comes into the garden like he always did. The man and his wife heard Shema. They heard Shema. That's our word, obey. The sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I highlighted the word cool because in Hebrew, it's Ramah. Now, those of you who know that, it's like it's, it's the spirit of God, the Ruma of God. And so he's like, the spirit of God is coming in. And it's meant to welcome us. We heard the sound of his voice. God is calling, Adam... And it's, and, and, but instead of jumping up and running and saying, yes, Lord, yes. The Bible says he ran and hid among the trees in the garden. He pulled a, he pulled a Jonah. Instead of running to God, he ran in the opposite direction. Instead of hearing and responding eager to partner with God, the Spirit of God, to do something with God. He was disobedient. 
He went in the opposite direction. And so, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? Now, in Hebrew, it's more like a statement than it is a question. Because God's not playing hide and seek. He knew exactly where he was. But this, where are you, in Hebrew, is written more like, you're nowhere in my heart. And so this is the longing of God saying, by my spirit, I came to join you and do something with you. But you went in the opposite direction and now you're nowhere in my heart. There's nothing I can do without you. Same thing he told Lot when he was running away and, and God was calling him to the mountain and Lot wanted to settle for Zoar. He's like, man... Hurry up and get here because I can't do anything until you do. God's calling us to something greater. Shema. Are we listening? And so these two things. Do we trust God and will we follow God? He's calling us to trust him and he's calling us to follow him. Follow follow you where, Lord? I don't have the time to go into all the Bible. Oh man, would I love to do this with you. Our God is a sending God. He doesn't sit still. He reaches out to you and then he says, come and follow me. You used to be fishermen, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he's like, come and go with me. There's something that we have to do. And so we trust him and we follow him. And our God is a sending God. I wish I, can I tell you about Noah? And how God sent Noah to build an ark. And because it never even rained. And people made fun of him. But God was sending. He was saving his family. Can I tell you about Abraham? And God said, leave and go to a country that I will show you. And Joseph. And Moses. And Joshua. And Gideon. And Esther. And Deborah. And David. And Daniel. And Elijah. And Elisha. And Jonah. And Nehemiah. And Jeremiah. And Mary. And Jesus and the 12 apostles and Paul and you and me. Our God is ascending God. He brought us in and he sent us out. He brought us in and he's sending us out. Have you not heard? Right before he went to heaven, he gave us our marching orders. Here it is in the book of Mark, chapter 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Trust me and follow me. Here it is in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to shema, to obey, to hear God and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me and obey all the commands that I've given you. And listen, you can be sure of this. I will never leave you. I'm going to be with you. To the end of the world. Our God is ascending God. Well where are you sending me Lord? Well do you believe that the Bible is a history book? Or do you believe that the Bible is meant to demonstrate for us what God is calling us to? Which is it? Is it only history telling us what happened? Or is it meant to be our guide for the way we live today? Both. Both is a pretty good answer. It is telling us what happened. And what he's calling us to do. Were his orders pretty clear on what, on what he's asking us to do? Okay, so here's where it, start, it first started in the church. Here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus calls all of his apostles over. 
They don't feel very equipped. They've only spent a year with Jesus. They were hungering and thirsting for more. And Jesus said, okay, to these 12, I'm going to send you out with the following instructions. Our God is ascending God. And then remember, because you told me this isn't just history. He's also talking about us. He's sending us to do the same thing. So we need to listen. I'm sending you out. Don't go among the Gentiles or in your town of the Samaritans. That was at that time. That time has passed. All the Gentiles, including us, are already in the kingdom of God. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. That was the first place they went. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Whatever grace you have received from God, you go give it away. And God is sending us out. And, we, well, Lord, we have a lot of questions. I don't feel equipped to do that. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. And how are we going to fund this little expedition? So now he gives us not only our marching orders, but he tells us to completely trust in him. Look at what he said next. Okay, so the, here's your order. Don't take any gold or silver or copper in your belt. You don't need any money. And don't take an extra bag or shirt or sandals or a staff. You don't need to pack any clothes. I know I'm sending you away from your house, but don't worry about it. Find a worthy person and stay in their home. Oh, Lord, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm just supposed to go knock on their door and say, can I stay with you? I just want to preach the gospel. Uh, yep. Yep. Because you're going to knock on some doors and there's going to be no peace in that home. They're not going to even know how to live, much less how to live for me. And you're going to take a blessing and you're going to bless that home. And they're going to be saved. And then if you can find a worthy home that's deserving, let your peace rest on it. Man, I want to unpack that verse for us in another series. Let your peace rest on it. If they're not, then you remove your peace from them. You mean peace is not just an emotion? It's a spirit of God that goes with me. I can speak peace into my home. You can speak peace into somebody else's home. Grab hold of that. If your, peace is, if your home is less than peaceful, you grab hold of the power that God is giving you if you'll walk with him. If they don't listen to your words, leave that home. Shake the dust off your sandals. and Go to the next town. Oh, Lord, that's a little overwhelming. I mean, I, I'm having to rely on you a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, there's something else that you need to know. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. They're not going to be real friendly back. You're going to run into a lot of opposition. And you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. We don't do a lot of flogging in this country. But people get beaten up all the time. I'm going to send you out, and you just need to know it's not going to be comfortable. You are going to be witnesses in front of governors and kings and really high people up in your community, but it doesn't mean that they're going to love what you're saying or what you're doing. And you're going to have a law written against you, and it's going to say, it's fine if you want to believe in Jesus, but you keep him in your home. Don't you bring your God into my business. And he's saying, if you obey them... You're fighting for the wrong team. But Lord, I could lose my job. Yep, you may lose more than that. 
Because when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll defend you in court. And when you're persecuted, it's okay. If everybody persecutes you and nobody wants to receive Jesus, then you just go to the next place. And don't be afraid of those who are going to kill your body. And then he said this. I didn't put it on the slide. You be more afraid of me, the one who can kill your body and destroy your soul. That's Deborah Freeland. It gets so much inside her she can't help but speak. Go ahead and say it, Deborah. So how serious is God about his mission? That's not really the question. The question is, how serious am I about his mission? Because he's been pretty clear with what I'm supposed to do. Can I ask you just some challenging questions? And then I'm just going to let the word of God settle on you. Question one. Where are you being intentionally among the wolves? I mean, have you advanced the kingdom of God so much? Are you speaking so much about God that you're finding rejection over and over and over? And that it's bothering you? Or, question number two, this is more for our church. What percent of our time is being sheep among sheep? Instead of sheep among wolves. Are we really. Standing on street corners. with Give Jesus. What, what are we doing intentionally. To go into our community. To go to those who are really hurting. In these pockets of pain in our city. With the grace. Mercy. And forgiveness. Of Jesus Christ. And even more when there is persecution. How does one love wolves even as they harm or slay God's lambs? How do we love our enemies and do good to those who will persecute us? And if all I really care about is not being hurt or just being safe, I guess my final question is, how do I avoid persecution? Because the Bible's answer for that question is this. The only way you can avoid persecution is if you fail to take Jesus to your community. Just don't walk across the street and share Jesus. Just don't walk across the hall and share Jesus. Just don't go to the next cube. Just don't speak up. And you can avoid persecution. But then again... You can no longer claim that you're being obedient. I'm just telling you, I'm preaching to myself today. And thank you for listening. But I can't not do something anymore. I've decided I'm going to go. I want to stand on a corner. I'm going to partner with foster care. I don't know exactly where it's going to take me, but I'm just telling you. 
I'm not going to stand before God and hear him say, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will. I want to hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Was it not Jesus' brother who, while they were crucifying him on a cross that was in the shape of an X, and while he's hanging on the cross, as people were passing by and looking at him, he was preaching the loving message of Jesus Christ to them. This series is just asking us and having us wrestle with what are we going to do in the mission that's in front of us. God's calling us to more, isn't he? I want to go into a time of communion. We do this every week, but today as we're sharing communion, so if you want to go, if you're serving, thank you. Today as they pass down these two simple emblems, not only are we saying thank you, Jesus, because your mission cost you your life, your body and your blood, which these two symbols represent. But you are also saying, as you eat and drink, sign me up. I want to follow you. Your mission is my mission. I want to seek and save that which is lost. And that's our message for the day. So I don't know how the word of God is falling on you this morning. It's very convicting to me. And I pray that it challenges you as well. Lord God, there's something inside all of us that wants to be written in your word as a faithful servant who carried out your mission. We want to be like Moses and we want to be like Abraham and we want to be like Jesus and we want to be like Paul and the apostles. Far too often we get too intimidated that we don't know enough or we may be rejected or worse persecuted oh Lord may our obedience mean more to us than what happens to our life may we fully give our trust in you you gave your life to save us I pray Lord God you teach us what it means to give our life in service to you bless our time in communion this morning in Jesus name